Uh, so we'll bow our heads and we'll, you know, get into a word of prayer and then we'll dive into the text. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your holy son, Jesus Christ, to say thank you so much for your son, Father God, for his shed precious blood on the cross that he died for us so that we can have a great salvation as this, Lord. Thank you for each and every person here in the congregation as well as on live stream, Father. I pray for them and I ask that we are thoroughly edified by the teacher, by the great shepherd, the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you for Pastor Dave and his family. I ask that you be with them, that you continue to comfort them, Lord, as they are great, great ministers and love our church, Father God. I ask that you continue to to bless us. Um, I ask that I decrease and my words are none and that your words are many because you are the great teacher. Uh, We thank you, Father, for everything that you continue to do for us on a day-to-day basis, and we just love you. In Jesus' holy name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Okay, so if you didn't have an outline, we have an outline in the back. I'm not sure if it got passed out or not. Um, We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So if you guys could turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. The title of tonight's message is going to be A Church that's in Christ, a church that's in Christ. So the background and the context in regards to the first Thessalonians, um, the person that wrote first Thessalonian is none other than the apostle Paul. Um, and I'd like to share some things about the apostle Paul that I feel like are fitting for us to know in regards to him penning and writing the letters that he's written. Paul wrote 14 out of the 27 new Testament books Paul had a thorn in his flesh to keep him humble because of the abundance of the revolutions given to him. Paul was caught up in the third heaven and seen things that were unlawful for a man to speak or utter on earth. Paul had no wife. Paul had no kids. He was fully persuaded and convinced that being in the center of God's will was the greatest of all joys. Anything we consider of value in this life was garbage, was dung and rubbish compared to the knowledge of knowing Christ and to follow him. If you read in Acts chapter 17 and 18, you will find that that's the start of the church in Thessalonica. Paul, along with his companions Silas and Timothy, founded the church in Thessalonica on his second missionary journey. Um, The journey, Paul, he left Philippi and passed through um, Amphipolis, that's how the name, I think that's how you say it, and Apollonia, and he arrived at Thessalonica. As Paul's custom, when he would go into the new city, he would find a Jewish synagogue, which is a church, and he would reason with the Jews from the scriptures that Indeed, Jesus Christ was the Messiah, okay? So Paul literally preached for three Sabbath days, three Saturdays, three weeks concerning Jesus and managed to persuade the Jews, a great multitude of devout Greeks, and prominent women. Once this happened, the Jews that were not persuaded became envious of it, right? Um, some evil men was created and a mob, of course, wanted to drive Paul out of the city. 
the faithful brethren in Thessalonica, they sent Paul and Silas out by the night. They went to Berea. And again, as Paul's custom, when he went to Berea, he, he preached in the city and reasoned with the Bereans that Jesus Christ indeed was the Messiah. So I think it's fitting to, no, to note here that the Bereans were a little bit more fair-minded and noble compared to the Jews in Thessalonica. So they, when they heard Paul's message, what they did was search the scriptures diligently to see if it lined up with what he was saying. And of course, indeed it did. Uh, this time Paul, when he, oh, I'm sorry. The, uh, the same Jews that were in Thessalonica, they heard that Paul was preaching and back at it again in Berea. So what did they do? They went to Berea, formed a mob, and tried to get him out of there to stop the message. Uh, this time Paul was sent away out of that city while Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. Then Paul went to Athens and they grew concerned about the church in Thessalonica. Um, so, so Paul sent Timothy to check on the state of the church and the believers due to the affliction that was going on there in hopes that Timothy would either encourage them and uh, bring him back a report in regards to how the status of the church was going. Uh, this is when Paul expected the opposition to be strong, that the church would be in ruins. From Athens, Paul travels to Corinth. In Corinth, he spends about an out, I mean, a year and uh, six months. That's his longest stay outside of uh, Rome and Ephesus. Once he was there, Timothy brings back the report that the church in Thessalonica was actually flourishing and thriving in the midst of the persecution and the affliction that was there. And of course, this brings uh, Paul tremendous joy. Um, and this is when he pins the first letter and writes to 1 Thessalonians to express not only his joy that they were still thriving in Christ and answer the many questions that the churches may have. Because again, you got to remember, there was only three Sabbaths there that he preached before he got, he got booted out of there. So with that being said, we're going to start off in verse 1. We're going to get to our text. Verse 1 in Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, also known as Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, what does that say? In, what? In, amen, amen. In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In my humble opinion, I believe that there are tons of so-called churches who have strayed away from being in Christ and have compromised based on our culture and the times that we're living in. Do you guys recall when uh, Jesus addressed the seven churches in Revelation? You guys recall that? How many out of those seven churches were doing, doing good? How many? Theologians, there's, there's theologians here. <laughs> two churches, only two churches. The church in Philadelphia and the church in Smyrna were the only two out of seven churches that were actually doing what God wanted them to do. The other five churches were falling short of God's highest and God's best. They got names like the Loveless Church, the Compromising Church, the Corrupt Church, the Dead Church, and the Lukewarm Church. 
It's important that we strive to be a church that is in God, in Christ Jesus. And I believe Calvary Chapel Conejo Valley is a church that is in him. Amen. Uh, Paul goes on to say, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This word grace is Paul's normal greeting and can be translated joy or rejoice because we have God's favor, loving kindness, and it's aimed towards us. His peace. As believers, we should be, have the best peace of all because our Father is indeed Almighty God, right? We are in the world, but we're not of the world. This isn't our home. We're, we're sojourners, we're ambassadors, we're instruments of God, and we shouldn't have, our, um, and our circumstances shouldn't define us. The things that we go through and the sufferings and tribulations, it shouldn't define who we are. But we should hold fast to God's promises, which should produce a peace that the world doesn't have. Amen? Amen. Verse 2, Thessalonians. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of, of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord and Jesus, and Jesus Christ in the sight of God and the Father. These three spiritual attitudes is one of Paul's favorite statements, indicating the fulfillment of his ministry duties. For those that take notes, 1 Corinthians 13 and 13. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of all these is love. John 13 and 35. But this all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, we are the body of Christ. We are members of one another. We should have love. The Thessalonians had something special, as should we. When we have these spiritual attributes, it produces something. It produces action. There's movement in regards to having faith. The Thessalonians, their faith produced work. Faith without works is? Amen. Their love produced labor. Their hope produced patience in the text. Verse four, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. Paul lets the Thessalonians know that they are beloved of God and chosen with their election. The word beloved, as the Jews would understand it, would be only applied to great men like Moses or Solomon. Um, so he emphasizes that the same love that would be extended to them is extended to or to the, to the great men would be extended to them as well. Paul was assured of their election by what they produced, by their fruit, by their deeds. If, we, if you are in the family of God, you will produce fruit. He is the vine, we are the branches, and it's impossible if we are connected to him not to bear any fruit. 
It's John 15 and 5. Amen? Amen. Verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in, what does that say? Power. Power. Pastor Dave loves, loves this. It's, it's, it's dunamis, right? Dynamite, dynamic. And in the Holy Spirit and as much assurance or confidence as you knew what kind of men we were among you for your sake, in verse 5. Paul uses our gospel. Our gospel is the truth. Our gospel has a living and risen Savior. Our gospel will be spread throughout the entire world and the nation. Why? Because it's God. Because the Bible says so. Because it is the truth and it's the power of him. When we see the word power here, the first thing that pops into my spirit is Romans 8 and 11 for those that take notes. I'm going to read the, the verse for you guys. It reads, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. If the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me and you, then we should be radically different from the world. Amen. We should be radically different. We should smell different. We should walk different. We should be different because that's power. Amen. That's dunamis power. Amen? The spiritual power of sound biblical doctrine. The word of God is alive and it's active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, judging the thoughts and the attention of the heart. Let's get out of the way of the Holy Spirit and allow the spirit to mold us into his image. Amen? Amen. Amen. Verse 5, again, it says the latter part, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. The kind of men here, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, were men of character and integrity. Paul served as an open book for those to witness the grace and the work of God because of what he did and because of his life. Again, I went through in the beginning to give you guys the background, the context of what Paul suffered and what he's seen and his assurance. And he came back saying, hey, guess what, guys? It's the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified, and that's what we need to know, and that's what we need to put our trust in. That's it. Everything else is, is rubbish out here. Amen? Amen? Verse 6. And you became followers of us and the Lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. The Thessalonians managed to mimic Christ and follow him because of the example that Paul gave to them. Again, three Sabbath days before he was cast out and this church is still thriving and flourishing, not because of Paul, but because of the Holy Spirit, because of the seal because of the powerful God that we have. The word affliction means they received the word with great adversity. I could also be translated to pressure, a severe pressure. And when I was studying, it was basically saying like a wine press, a grape that's being smashed. You know, that type of pressure, it's going to burst. They received the word like that. 
but they received it with what? Joy. Joy of the Holy Spirit. And again, what came to my mind when I was studying this is Paul and Silas. If those I can remember, because you guys are theologians, Thursday night crew in Bereans. In Acts 16, 22 and 50, and 20 through 25. You guys remember what happened? So, uh, Paul and Silas were in jail in Philippi. I'm going to read it to you guys, okay? <laughs> then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. And the prisoners were listening to them. That's receiving, that's joy. That's affliction with joy. That's the example that I, that I have in regards to somebody that's receiving um, affliction with joy. And some of us have a hard time telling a neighbor that Jesus is Lord. Wow. We don't have that much affliction in the modern day. We don't, we don't have that much persecution and we're not going to jail. We're not being beaten. We're not, don't have stripes. We should live for the Lord. The exhortation is that we should have a heavenly perspective and set our affections on things that are above and, th and not things that are on earth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Verse seven. <clears throat> With joy, amen. So that you become examples so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. The Thessalonians left their mark and a stamp on other people because of their lives and because of their walks. Paul commended the Thessalonians for being model believers. Again, this is a church that had three Sabbath days of teaching. Amen. Matthew 5 and 14 through 16 says, you are the light of the world. And a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light the lamp and put it under a basket, but a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine. We are that light. And it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit that's residing in us. It's the Holy Spirit that's in us. He wants to draw out of us himself. So not just because we're, we're, we're going to heaven, right? Pastor Dave says this. There could be a saved soul and a wasted life. Let that not be us, guys. Let's be, let's be about it for the kingdom, amen? amen? Let's be about it for him. Because life is but a vapor in a short time. Verse 8. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. 
your faith toward God has gone out so that we, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, need to say anything. Don't need to say nothing. The word sounded forth here can be translated as a trumpet blast. Their faith became known to all over the region. Everyone spoke of the change. If we have an encounter with Christ, there will be change. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Because I was once this way when I indulged in my, my sin and the things that I did in my life that I was a slave to. And then when I met Christ, something happened. The guys I knew us before, hold on, what, what happened to you, sir? The Lord happened to me. Amen? It's not us, it's him. And faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Those that are here on a Thursday night, those that are in part of the body, those that fellowship, those that believe, those that dig in the scriptures, those are all examples of us continuing to press forth in Christ. Amen? Amen. You will know them by their fruits. Our actions and our lives will speak a lot louder than our words ever will. What we do ministers to people rather than what we say. And let's remember that, that we're always on display and we are his, his children and his people. Amen? Verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So basically, the, the Thessalonians, they repented. They had a true repentance, right? He says, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and risen Christ. Let's, let's just be honest. Let's be transparent. We're all family, right? The biggest idol in our lives today is what? It's not, the, it's not the Satan. It's not the devil. It's not the world. It's not the enemies out there. It's not the people that are shaking their fists. The biggest idol is ourselves. We're the biggest idols. We have ourselves on our hearts, right? We, whatever, whatever we do, it's, it's all about me, 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 I, 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 and it's not the Lord. We are our biggest idols. What we need to do is die to ourselves, pick up our cross daily. And it's hard to do so that we can grow in Christ each and every day. And I know that it's easier said than done, but guess what? It's not us. It's Christ in us that will produce it and do it. He will complete it. Amen? He who began a good work in you will finish it to the day of completion. So when we try to, if we can do it ourselves, we would have, we would have done it already. You know, we're you know, raw, raw guys. You know, I got it, I got it, I'm independent. Whatever it may be, we need to get out of the way. We need to serve our Savior. Let's offer our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to him, which is our reasonable service. Amen. Amen. He died. He suffered. He was beaten because of the sin that I thought I loved, because of my flesh. He bore that, and it breaks my heart because, you know, and I'm, so I'm so grateful because I'm, I'm saved. But that's our reasonable service back to him because of what he already did. 
We have to have our, our perspective as believers and as a body. That's our reasonable service. Amen. Verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he has raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from from the wrath to come. Excuse me. So the Thessalonians, they were expecting Christ at any moment in any time. They thought that he can come back in their lifetime, right? Which is the right perspective to have. When our Lord comes back, I pray that we're doing his work. I pray that we're about it for the kingdom. Holy things. Amen? I don't want to be caught idle on the couch watching the game. You know what I mean? I don't want to be a, you know, a, a, um, a couch potato or a pew potato. I don't want to just sit here not doing anything and being comfortable. Amen? And, and the exhortation is, that's how, it, that's how it is. Let's just be transparent. That's how it is. It's, it's easy to be, be comfortable in this day and age. And, you know, God's not coming back, you know, or he's coming back, but, you know, it's, it's been 2,000 plus years, you know, I'm hanging on out a little bit. Lord, I know that the, the rapture's not coming anytime soon. No, let's, let's have that heavenly perspective knowing that it can come at any time. No one knows the day or the hour except the Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. Us that are a part of the family of God won't be a part of this wrath to come. But remember, church, we need to sound forth. We need to go out in all the world. We need to preach the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ has come to save that which is lost. And there's a whole world out there that don't believe. There's a whole world out there that believe that uh, it's a bunch of rubbish and stuff. That's foolishness, the Bible says. It's foolishness. And if our lives reflected him, that would minister to those people that need to get grafted in prior to Christ's return. Amen? Amen. So that's verse verse 10. That's chapter 1. Um, I'm unsure if that was the fastest sermon in the history of Calvary Chapel, <laughs> Calabasas. <laughs> Pastor Dave, forgive me. <laughs> I know that Pastor Doug has the record for the longest. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's what we got, you know. So, um, I love you guys. And... <laughs> Yeah, say it again, I'm sorry. Amen, amen, amen. So again, the Thessalonians was an encouragement, obviously, in regards to them being in Christ. And I think likewise, we should do the same, amen? Amen. Um, I'm gonna pray and, um, you know, yeah, amen. (laughs) Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ, to say thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. Thank you for the words of scripture, 
the living, breathing word, Father God. Your word says that man should not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We love you because you first loved us, Father. You are the great I am, the beginning, the end, the first, the last. And no man comes to the Father except through the Son. Father, I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice, those that are on live stream, those that were here in the future, Lord. I ask that you continue to edify us, sanctify us, set us apart for your kingdom and for your work, Lord. Allow us to cast all of our cares before you because we know that you care for us, Father God. Every person that's hurting, any trial, any tribulation, anything that we think that's too big for you, it's not because you are a great God, a big God, the creator of heaven and earth. You created everything, Father God. So let us strengthen our faith, allow our hope and joy to be in you. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen.